Welcome into another episode of the Hoop Fiends, and we are the Hoop Fiends this time. I hope you guys enjoyed that little spinoff with John Osborne and Dan Satil talking some hockey, talking some soccer. Uh, I that's a, that's all I have to say about it. Hope you enjoyed it because it was definitely an interesting pod. I enjoyed it. Um, we're, like I said, we're back to talking hoops because we are the Hoop Fiends. Uh, we have a whole whole load and boatload of free agency signings, trades and a bunch of different stuff to talk about. And we have another special guest on to do that with today. We have the one, the only, Jake G League back with us. Jake G League, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Steve. You know, always a pleasure to receive the call to action from a fellow hoop fiend. So, enjoying it. I, know, I mean, there's no one else as tuned into the NBA uh, during the summer as you, considering you are working there, covering the summer league, and doing everything with the NBA right now. So, how do you feel? Are you... You feel up to speed with everything that's going on? Uh, when it first, when you know, when free agency first hit, uh, at that six p.m. mark on June thirtieth, I believe it was, uh, definitely felt caught up. You know, I was scrolling through Twitter like everyone else, getting those alerts. Um, after a little bit though, a few days, a few weeks, you can kind of forget a thing here, a thing there. But overall, I'm feeling pretty good about it. All right, let's get right down into it. Obviously. Uh, this batch, this year's free agency, wasn't as crazy as some years past. There really wasn't many big names and good players available on the market, which I think led to some weird and wacky contracts being thrown out there. So we're kind of go in order from the biggest contracts given out and give our immediate reactions to each of them, and then we'll have a few things in store later down the road in this podcast. We're going to start it off with the biggest contract given out in this year's free agency, Five years, $160 million to the Blazers, to Jeremy Grant, the biggest token, the biggest fish in free agency. What was your immediate reaction when that contract was signed? I mean, hey, Jeremy Grant, former Thunder, so <laughs> always got to show love to my former Thunder players, but what the hell the Blazers <laughs> Like, what are we doing? This is not the answer to keep Dame. That's all I'm saying. It, that felt like an overreaction, like, we kind of bring Jeremy Grant mm-hmm. back so mm-hmm. da- uh, Dave doesn't get angry. And then I think within a day after that contract was signed, Dave's like, I'm out. That's yeah, it. Absolutely. You guys are paying this much to Jeremy Grant? Are you kidding me? Uh, so, I mean, definitely not what you expected. I mean, yeah, was he one of the better players on free agency? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, does it, I don't think that excuses an organization for giving him that much money. And also, like, Yes, he was one of the better players of free agency, but like like you just said, Steve, this wasn't exactly you know the the hottest batch of free agent <laughs> prospects. You know, I, I don't really. It's like the Blazers, like here, Dame, we got you your guy, Jeremy, for five years. And Dame literally like, saw that on Twitter and was like, Nah, man, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. That's I'm it for me. Um, I mean, yeah, there's not much to react to. I think other than this is just way too much money. I mean, I think we both agree we like him as a player in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Just paying him that much money seems crazy. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more when uh, down the road we're going to do a little bit of a talk about Dame and what's to come with Damian Lillard. But, yeah, just Portland didn't seem like they had a plan going into this free agency, and it seemed like Damian Lillard asking for a trade surprised them out of nowhere, and they should have been ready for that once they drafted Scoot. So definitely not my favorite contract for the offseason. We'll leave it at that for now. Uh, the next biggest one, this was an interesting one. We have Mr. Fred Van Vliet leaving uh, Toronto and going to Houston. Of all places, three years, 128 mil. I've written down. What did you think of that one when it was first happened? So Fred VanVleet is a little more deserving of that amount of money than Jeremy Grant. I agree. First and foremost, however, I don't. 
I don't know what the Rockets' angle of approach is here. <laughs> I, I like Fred VanVleet, great player, can provide a lot for a team that fits him. I don't think the Rockets are a team that fits him. I feel like he would have had better chances to be himself and and, and be in a better position, but as a team as a whole, anywhere but Houston. I don't think Houston's ready to be acquiring free agents with where they're at at this moment in time with the young core they have. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, there's two different ways I'm looking at this one, right? I think it's from Fred's perspective. It doesn't really make sense, like you said. Mm-hmm. You feel like he'd be a good contender, going uh, a good player going to a contender to try and get them over the top into a winning position. A team like Houston, your first thought isn't, oh, they need a guy like Fred Van Fleet. Uh, but I actually, believe it or not, I actually do really like this signing for Houston. Fred, again, not a good fit for him, but he probably got way more money here than he was going to get anywhere else. So I guess he's chasing the bag. That works out for him that way. Uh, For Houston, I feel like their biggest thing last year was just a lack of a presence, a lack of a veteran to lead them, a lack of somebody with experience to kind of whip into shape all their young guys. You had uh, Green, Jabari, uh, Shangun, all these guys, and now you're adding Thompson and – uh, Cam Whitmore to that pile. All these guys just have been running and gunning, want to get up their shots. They needed a guy kind of like Fred Van Fleet to, I think, almost organize them. They talked about doing Harden a lot in this offseason, and I think that would have been a mess because I don't think he's necessarily a role model. But I think a guy like Fred Van Fleet, undrafted, kind of worked his way through the league, made a name for himself. I think he's a good role model to kind of bring in and kind of help get this organization to the next steps. So obviously, they're not going to be good at I don't think, but I don't know. I feel like it's a good transition for them to maybe add some uh, veteran leadership to a group that I think needs it. What do you think of that perspective? I, I like it. I, I agree with you on some points. I think that, you know, he's a guy that could help organize a team. He's a guy that the Rockets are definitely, definitely a team that needs a presence. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Point. And, and Fred Bentley, you know, he's just chasing the bag. He's already won a ring. You know, this was the most money he was going to get in free agency from any team. So from Spread's perspective, he's done the right thing. However, in regards to him being a leader, I just – I don't know if he's got what it takes to fill that role to the fullest, to the where the Rockets need it the most. I uh, Like, I know James Harden would have been an absolute dumpster fire, but I feel like Harden has more experience being a legitimate number one leader on a team than Fred Van Vliet does. Because when you look at Van Vliet's time in Toronto, uh, yeah, he was one of the – you know primary options for scoring and, and even just the locker room presence. But he had Kawhi for a year when they won the ring. He had Siakam there. He, he had a few other guys around him that were able to share the weight of being that mentor leadership role. So, yeah, when compared to the Rock, the Rockets roster right now, Fred Medley is definitely the, the obvious leader. But I don't know if he's going to be able to fill the shoes in the way that you think he was. Yeah, I, you're right. But, like, again, I think the – Moral of the story is he's better than Kevin Porter Jr. That's true. That <laughs> and, is true. You know he'll he'll run an offense. I feel like Kevin Porter Jr. was still trying to make a name for himself as well, and it just added to that culture of just running gun. Whoever has the ball, take the next shot. And I don't know. I feel like Fred will just just be able to figure things out a little bit. And I think the biggest culture change, honestly, with them is going to be Ime Udoka in general. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be able to instill a little bit of that and have Fred kind of run what he wants to run. I just think it's a step towards organizational stability, which I think they've lacked for the past couple of years. So that's, that's my only plus for them. And I think by the time they're actually looking to contend when all these young guys are starting to take the next step, this contract will be over. So 
three years from now, I think it'll we'll look back on it and be like, all right, that was fine. It did what it needed to do. The question is Dylan Brooks, who also signed with Houston <laughs> for four years and eighty six million. If we're talking role models, I don't think this no, is the type of role model like you quite want. possibly the worst so, option. Any case that I made for Fred Van Fleet to kind of come in and be a role model and be a guy to look up to and lead this team is probably negated by bringing in a guy like Dylan Brooks, who is an absolute idiot, the last guy you want to look up to. Him being probably the second oldest player on this team now is not a good sign. Any credit I've given them for Fred Van Fleet goes out the window for this signing. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking either, Steve. It's like hot and cold. Like, like, like Fred Van Vliet, their motives for signing him, fair. Van Vliet going there, fair. Uh, Dylan Brooks is like, you guys are just throwing money <laughs> at people and ho- hope something works together. Like, you, you talked about organizational stability, and I, I agree. That's honestly the best way to describe what the Rockets are trying to do here. This is the most <laughs> unstable, most, like, out-of-pocket player in the league. I, I just – don't understand it, Stephen. For eighty million across four years, <laughs> who, like, are, come on. who are they bidding with? The the Chinese organizations? I like I don't understand. understand. No. Where they got this amount of money from? No one was paying him that much. Uh, I think the other perspective of this one that I've heard out there is that oh well, Dylan Brooks, like he was on a young team like Memphis that had some growing pains, so like he's been through it now with a young team. He knows what does work and doesn't work. And he's going to be able to, like, come into this Houston Rockets team and be like, guys, don't be like I was in Memphis. It didn't work. We have to be strong. We have to be rigid. We have to be tough. I don't think he's going to do that, though. I think, if anything, he'd be like, guys, I had a lot of fun in Memphis. Let's do this again. And then he's just going to make it go off the walls because he's the leader. It's just not going to work. I don't know what – he's horrible, too. Like, he's just not good. He's not a good player. And that's not – what the Rockets are no the Rockets aren't the grit and grind, like get in your face, play dirty type team. No. They're like the hey, let's figure <laughs> ourselves out. I feel like he's gonna totally mess with their team identity. He's totally gonna mess he's with a whatever. shot chucker, like yeah. it just adds to that. I, like, I, I, I don't I don't anticipate him and Van Vliet having that great of a chemistry either. With but with you know what both of them are trying to achieve on this roster. Yeah, spoiler to later in this podcast. Gonna be one of my least favorite signings of maybe all time, Absolutely. let alone this offseason. So just Absolute joke there. And speaking of absolute jokes, uh, we'll move on to the next biggest contract that was given out, which was the Dallas Mavericks signing Mr. Kyrie Irving to a three-year, $120 million contract. And again, I brought this up with Dylan Brooks. Who are we competing with here? Why are we giving this guy this much money? The Lakers were like said to be offering like the mid-level exception. And here we are offering him three years, $120 million? What's going on? Can you explain this to me? I, I don't think anyone can. I, well, the, the best explanation I have is that Mark Cuban, after the trade, is sort of just putting all the ships into Kyrie Irving which, and clearly not taking a lesson out of any other team he's been on besides the Cavaliers. Which, you know what? Whatever. I get it. You want to put your eggs in Kyrie's or Kyrie Irving's basket, go for it. That's your prerogative. Like, you made that trade. You want to make it look good. You don't want to give up on him. That's fine. But why are we giving him this much money? Nobody was offering him that. Like, they were not competing with anybody. Mavericks are a team that could I don't use get the it. cap yeah. space, too. I just don't get it. Um, I'm not going to shit on them. I've done enough shitting on them for the idea of Kyrie and Luka in the past. So that's just – it's more of a mo- money thing for me with this signing. I, I just I just can't fathom another team that would have offered more than, like, two years, $50 million, right? No one has cap space. Nope. The Rockets signed Van Fleet. Like, 
Who else is there? Can you think of anybody who needs a point guard that had cap space? Not off the top of my head, no. Especially not ones that have cap space for it. Definitely not. No. So that's my one critique there. Um, it's going to be a theme uh, throughout this podcast and as we go along. Is I just didn't like any signings or many signings at all. I I'm think right there with you. A lot of teams just didn't have a very decent offseason. Uh, but we will move on to the next couple contracts that were given out. And a team that I think did have a good offseason – um, that's the Bucks who re-signed both Chris Middleton for three years, three ninety or three years, ninety-three million, and Brooke Lopez for two years, forty-eight million. I think that was a big point of emphasis in this offseason: is what are the Bucks going to do, and are they going to be able to bring both of these guys back? And I think they did so on two relatively fair contracts. Uh, two guys, obviously, Chris was valuable on their uh, championship run, and Brooke Lopez had maybe the best season of his entire career last year. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts on the Bucks and how they handled their offseason? I mean, honestly, very simple, Steve. You know, this is a team that's proven it can win. You need to keep those key guys. They kept their key guys. It's not much more to be said. Yeah, I think the the worry for them, right, is if you lose a guy like Lopez, right, he has a ring. He's going to go. He could just chase a bag. A team like Houston probably should have used that money on him. I think they of, might have honestly offered him. Yeah, they should have used that money on him instead of Dylan Brooks, but whatever. Uh, team like even San Antonio, like pairing him with uh, Victor, I think would have been really cool. Let Victor kind of play the four and roam on defense and have Brooke lock down the five. A good guy for him to learn from. Uh, that idea kind of int- intrigued me. So for Milwaukee, to bring him back and not lose him, uh, Milwaukee was by far my number one championship contender last year. I thought they were the favorite for a long, long time until obviously things went awry and Giannis got hurt. And I think these two coming back, I don't know if you agree, but I think they're st- – Still going to be my title favorite, even over Denver and how good Denver was, uh, I think, going into the season. They're they're 100% my East favorites, like, without a doubt. Uh, Denver, I, I, I said this on a previous podcast I was on here, Steve. I, I was not believing in Denver until it actually happened. And now it's happened, so I have no, <laughs> they're re- all in I, I just have no reason to doubt them anymore. I mean, I, like, my entire thing was it's a great team, deep roster, well-coached, just well-mannered. Like, it, it had everything – it took to win. They just hadn't won yet, and now they did. So I really don't have any reason to say that the Nuggets can't run it back. However, the Bucks, though, easily my favorites out of the East. Yeah, for sure. I think especially we'll move on to something involving the Celtics. We've talked about the Porzingis and Marcus Smart of it all already on this pod. Uh, but one of the more interesting moves uh, for, I guess, Dallas, who we just talked about, and uh, Boston was the sign-and-trade involving Grant Williams. I have said many, many things about Grant Williams on this podcast. Uh, I mean, he the sign and trade ended up being it was a four year, fifty three million dollar contract to for him to end up in Dallas. Before I go on this, I'm curious what you felt or what you thought when you heard Grant Williams was heading to Dallas for this much money. Um, well, you got to look at it from two teams' perspectives. First, you got to look at it from the Celtics' perspective. I think that's a uh, I think it's a bigger loss for the Celtics than most do just because of who Grant Williams is and what he means to the Celtics, both the team and the fan base. Like he was a pretty popular guy in Boston. Um, So I think losing him is definitely going to, it won't be as big of an impact as a typical star leaving a team, but it's going to leave a mark. Definitely going to leave a mark for the Mavericks though. This just seems like a typical type A Mavericks (laughs) signing. If I'm being honest, just sign like a a mid mediocre, not mediocre, but like a mid tier guy 
for like however many years and just let him rot on the Mavericks. This is Dwight Powell, <laughs> yeah. part 57. Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba. Exactly. They just, just another one. They're just looking for people to stand in the corner for Luca and just catch and shoot threes, which I will admit, you know what? Grant Williams is pretty good at that. So from that standpoint, you know what? Might not be a horrible fit. But I'm going to go out on a limb here, all right? They are giving this guy four years, $53 They gave up a bunch of second-round picks and whatever in this sign-and-trade. And you know who else they gave up? Do you know? I do. Reggie Bullock, who I like. I think Reggie Bullock is a solid player. And – I don't know if it's my bias coming in for the good stuff he did for the Knicks and being a part of our first postseason berth in like over eight years. And <laughs> I think a really big part of that, because then the year after we traded him, we sucked and we didn't come back until this year and weren't good again. I think he was a big part of what we did uh, in two years ago's playoff run. And yeah, I don't think Dallas was using him much, so maybe not necessarily a big deal for them to lose him. But I don't know. When you're talking about catching and shooting and playing literally, defense, literally. they do the same exact shit. Grant Williams is honestly a little bit more of like a nuisance in terms of kind of being annoying. He's and, got that little Dylan yeah. Brooks gene in him. So, guy. like, I don't know. I think I'd rather Reggie Bullock. I don't know if I'm going out on a limb saying that. I didn't really like this move for Dallas. Um, and again, from your perspective for Boston, I would, based on what I just said, it would sound like I would be like, oh, good, Boston's moving on for him, whatever. They shouldn't have paid him. But this harpens back to a few things I've said about Boston on this podcast already. I think they lack a backbone. I think they're a little soft. And I think uh, their team's philosophy and mentality is lacking. And Absolutely. Marcus Smart was one of the only guys who brought it every day. and every day. Yeah. So losing him, I think, hurt their culture and whatever. The next best guy in their team was on in that terms of stuff, in terms of toughness, in terms of willing to lay it all on the line and give it all 100% every day was Grant Williams. Yep. And is he a very good player that I love? Absolutely not. But I think a team like Boston needs these yep. players. Yep. And I like heard that they were going after Pat Bev. I was like, oh, that could work in terms of that. He didn't sign there. They just aren't – they're not – they're missing that. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to be huge. And I don't know. I don't know what I would have done if I'm them because I don't think he's worth paying four years, $53 million, But, damn, I think it's going to hurt not having him in the locker room at this point, even though I don't think he's good. Absolutely. Going back to, like, Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock is a guy – you may have a little mixed bias in there, Steve, but no, I do I like, like him. I, I don't I know, do man. Like, no, I do like Reggie Bullock a lot. I, he's a he's proven that he can help a team get to the next step in their progression. And the Mavericks, he wasn't bad on the Mavericks. Like, he was the catch and shoot, the defense. He is great at what he does. And, and yes, Grant is very similar to that, but it's like if you ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know? yeah. like, I don't know why they're going all out and doing these crazy ass signings. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh I'm actually quoted notoriously for having said this about the 2020-2021 Knicks roster. Um was that the team? No, sorry. That's the team that actually made the playoffs. Not that team. The 2019-2020 Knicks roster. I actually said Reggie Bullock was our best player multiple times. <laughs> I genuinely meant it. It was before we brought in Julius Randle. And it, was, it actually might have been when we had Randle, but Randle was just like really bad. Uh, I just love everything that Reggie Bullock – I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why this is turning into a Reggie Bullock podcast. I, love, I can always appreciate some Reggie Bullock love. But I, I really like it. All right. Here was the Knicks – yeah, so that was the first year of Julius Randle. Julius Randle was a really bad Nick his first year. Let's not, let's not throw things oh, yeah. out there. Uh, we had R.J. Barrett, who was a rookie at the time. Damian Dotson, do you remember that guy? Maurice Harkless, Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina. Was like, like Alec Burks on that team? No, that not Alec? even. Oh, wow. This was before that. 
Uh, we had Alfred Payton. Right. Bobby right. Portis was a Nick at that point. Dennis Smith. Like, this team stunk. And yeah. I, I would go out every day and watch Reggie Bullock play. You know what? This guy cares. Mm-hmm. I'm mad about this. I love Reggie Bullock. I think he's better than Grant Williams. But that's neither here nor there. I don't like the move for Dallas. I don't like the move for Boston. What I will say, I don't know how much Summer League you've gotten to watch. Um, this is a little sneak preview and tease uh, for a Tuesday pod that's coming. Uh, Steve will have his Summer League breakdown because he watches way too much of it. Uh, true. Jordan Walsh, the uh, second-round pick for Boston, is going to be awesome for them. He almost does all the type of little things that Marcus Smart and Grant Williams does. He's a pest on defense. He's an annoyance, and he can shoot. That's a little sneak preview, though. I think he will help fill the shoes of Grant leaving. Uh, but, again, I just think it's a bad signing, bad trade, bad loss for Boston, bad all around on that one. Another, another surprise, just losers everywhere in this offseason. All right, another signing. We had Cam Johnson returning to the Nets for four years, $94 million. What was your initial reactions when you heard that one? Honestly, compared to the other crazy signings that have happened, I like that one. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge to retain a guy like that who you just traded Kevin Durant for. Not like you were trying to go after him, but that was the result of the trade. And a reasonable price yeah, for, in terms of nowadays contracts. Oh, absolutely. Out. Yeah, no, it's great. He's got, you, got, you got the one-two punch with Bridges and Cam. The Nets are like one – Damian Lillard type player away from like really taking that next step. I'm not saying that that's what they should go for right now. Let the team gel. But I, I like the move. I really like the move. Yeah, I agree. Bring him back on a fair price. That was big for them. And it vindicates that KD trade. Him, Like you said, him and Mikel kind of teaming up for the foreseeable future is good for them. One I don't necessarily agree with in terms of same money returning to their same team. Uh, we had Kyle Kuzma returning to the Wizards for four years, $90 million. A team that was looking to blow it up, a team that seemed like they were all in on rebuilding, re-signs their best player from last year, besides Bradley Beal, of course. What was your reaction when you saw that? Because this one I questioned a little bit. Not in terms of value. I thought it was a fair deal for Kuzma. I just don't know what the Wizards are doing. I I, I hear you. The, the Wizards are kind of lost in the forest as, as far as NBA teams go. But I, I, I like the value of the contract. I think it was a fair contract for what Kuzma is. I I don't really hate this one. I'm going to be honest, Steve. So the reason I don't hate it is because, yeah, they lost Porzingis and they lost uh, Bradley Beal through trades and whatnot. But Kuzma, for a while, has been trying to get the Wizards to run the offense through him. And now this is his one opportunity to really, like, show that he's worth the money he's getting paid for. I feel like the Wizards sort of just went with, like, a half-rebuild or, like, a quasi-rebuild, if, if you will, because they acquired Jordan Poole, another young guy. They have Kuzma, their main young guy. I feel like they just wanted to go young and try and like sort of like do like a little restart action, try and see how things gel, try and see how things mesh this season, see if they can sort of, I guess, congeal a somewhat of a young core out of those two and see if it gets them anywhere but mediocre city. But I, I don't really think it's going to make much of a difference this season, but maybe down in the future if they get a few new assets. Uh, it, they're playing the long game at this point. I can also see in the long game sense, you know, this is a very movable contract. Maybe they run the offense entirely through Kyle Kuzma for this year and maybe even next year. Guy averages like 25, 26 points per game. And then you ship him off 10 times the value for what he's worth because True. he's playing so well. Um, so, yeah, I, I would love to ask Josh what he thinks as well, or roommate Josh, but he's right. currently, like, dying in bed of some unknown and random sickness. So yeah, he's, he's uh, bad. I know I know he definitely questioned the signing at first, but I think he's looking at it in terms of future as well, just 
not trying to lose the asset, maybe trying to rebuild his value and get something for him in the future. So from that sense, I understand it. I just, when I first saw it, questions, like I thought they were just going all in on a rebuild. So I don't know. Again, I think their new front office is competent. So maybe they're smart and we have to actually give them a little bit of credit for once. I think you're right, Steve. I think that this is one of those signings where like right off the bat, everyone's going to be like, huh? But yeah. then like if you really think about it and like you see what the Wizards are trying to do, I feel like the Wizards front office it really doesn't have a lot to go for as far as competency over the last few years, but I think they're confident enough to know that they're not going to win right now. So I, I think this was a, a move for the future and acquiring Jordan Poole on top of that. I feel like that was a good move to also see where things go for the next few years. All right. Another team that's a little bit more controversial in terms of what they've done this off season, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they brought back Karis Levert on a relatively fair deal. They brought in George Niang on a relatively fair deal. And then they gave Max Struess a four-year, $62 million contract. What did you think of what the Cavs have been doing? Um, it just sort of seems like the Cavs are just trying to acquire, like, their last few pieces of the puzzle. I think they are confident in the core that they have with Mitchell, the Mobley brothers, uh, Jared Allen, uh, Darius Garland. Those are all great players, and they got into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they lost to the Knicks in the first round. I don't think many people were expecting that, besides Knicks fans like you. <laughs> uh, but I, I think this is a team that could come back and, like, make it further than they did the prior season with the right matchup, of course. But when it comes to Max Struess, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, <laughs> I, I, I loved him on the heat. I, 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 he was undrafted, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Of course. So, you know, it's another, you watch the final? Another, another, we talked about listen, so there were so many undrafted guys in the heat, it's hard to keep up with all of them. Let's be real. But no, I, I, I'm happy for Struess. He got his bag. Um, I just hope he's able to reproduce what he was doing in Miami because otherwise people are going to be – very, very harsh on him in Cleveland when he arrives and doesn't deliver. Yeah, I'm worried that it's going to be one of those typical the guy leaves Miami and then he kind of sucks. Yep, yep. Uh, which, as a guy who kind of roots for the Cavs, except for last postseason, obviously, I wouldn't love that. Yeah, um, I kind of lean on what you were saying in terms of they were just kind of fill out the piece of the puzzle. I think they're looking to bring in guys with just like experience and guys that have been in playoff games, guys that they know, even though Struis didn't really perform great in the finals, no. uh, guys with finals experience to kind of add to the Garland Mitchell and Allen Mobley core, guys that can play the three a little bit. So they kind of have like a kind of go with the hot hand mentality, I'm going to bet, between Karis LeVert, between Isaac Okoro on his defense, and now you add Max Struis off the bench and you add Niang. You have options, and I think that's important for them. So I think I liked it in general, but not, like, over the moon about it. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And that's because I like Struess. So if you don't like Struess, I could see you being like, oh, this is just a horrible offseason for the Cavs. Very true. Uh, all right, back to my Knicks. Nothing major for the Knicks except bringing in another Villanova guy. Dante DiVincenzo, four years, 50 mil. I think a little bit of a higher contract than I would have necessarily liked. Oh, that's the Knicks. But that's the Knicks. That's what I said about Jalen Brunson last year. Look how that worked out. So I'm just going to talk about the fit. Obviously, the Villanova connection is great with him, Josh Hart, and Brunson. Hart taking a discount to come back to the Knicks so they could sign this money to DiVincenzo. I just think it's a great culture fit, and I think it's a good guy to come off the bench. We've been really looking for 3 and D guys, especially guys that can actually knock down a 3. That's pretty important with how bad some of our outside shooting's been. So I was I was pretty excited when I heard this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, maybe it adds to our recruiting pitch to Mikel Bridges later on down the road as well. Yeah, I, I like Dante. Um, 
I, like I don't really have much to say. He like he hasn't really like he's just fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's I couldn't have said it better myself. He's just fine. And the Nova connection, that's really what it was all about. I let's think, be real. I think what worries me a little bit is the fact that he really didn't find his way and crack into the Warriors postseason rotation oh, very yeah. much. Which like and they were desperate for people to play mm-hmm. at certain mm-hmm. points. You would think he would be like, you know, a talked about guy, but he really wasn't. Right. So why? What was missing? I don't know. I mean, I Steve Kerr is one of the best coaches in the NBA, so something probably isn't all there or connecting on all syllables. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But in terms of a fit for the Knicks, I do like it. Hopefully it works out. Uh, while we're on the Knicks topic, I do want to bring up and just say a fond farewell to a good Nick in Obi Toppin. Uh, uh, yeah. This one hurt when he was officially traded to the Pacers. I knew this day was going to come. I always hoped Obi was going to get traded actually in a package for someone good. Um, not two future second round picks, but hey, here we are. I feel like that's the going right now. I mean, Chris Duarte, kind of like a wa- washed up <laughs> rookie who was yeah. in the same draft class. Kenya Martin Jr., who I kind of like, also two second round picks. That's what these guys are going for. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like Obi, he's not gonna be like a future starter, plays thirty five yeah. minutes a game, but he's a great spark plug off the bench. He's a good backup. The issue is he played the same position as Julius Randle for the Knicks, who we play 40 minutes a game. So there was never yeah. really a fit there for OB. It was never really going to work out. It's sad to see him go. But I do think on the Pacers, I think things are going to work out, being able to play with Halliburton a little bit. I'm sure he'll get like 20, 25 minutes a game there and do good things. I like OB. Do you like OB or is it just me? No, I like OB. Even, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I, I do I do enjoy his little, little sloppy toppy on, <laughs> on, on, on the – on the occasion, but uh, yeah, you're right. Like Obi wasn't really having his moments to shine because Tom Thibodeau likes to play his starters till they basically wither away and die. <laughs> but um, maybe just maybe the, he gets a little bit more than a spark plug position on the Pacers, and maybe he does something that would surprise everybody. I I wish him the best. You know, he's a he was a Knicks fan favorite for oh, man, for yeah. a reason. The Obi chance in the Garden were also exactly. whatever he just like dunked it on mm-hmm. a fast break. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what got people in the in the arena, man. Yeah, it's people like that. Speaking of our favorite teams, I'd love to talk to you about OKC and what they've done, but they haven't done anything. Oh else, yeah, except for just bringing more second round and first round picks. We have like a like a bag of loose change. <laughs> yeah. Just keep on trading pennies and quarters yeah. and nickels and dimes. Something something that I didn't even know happened. Like it just flew under the radar. I didn't even know you guys got Victor Oladipo back oh, yeah. in the heat. Oh yeah, so that's Thunder, kind of Thunder legend, fun. baby. Yeah, I mean that's fun. No, it is. It is. <laughs> I think I feel the way I do about Oladipo the same way you do about Obi Toppin. Yeah, that's cool. Like, he, like it's it's fun. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Will he play a whole? Will he play even a half for us? Maybe yeah. not. But it's just nice to see him back in back in like the team that I love. And he was fun for us. He was. The Thunder brought him in in like 2016, right after Durant's departure, to try and have people like help out Russ in his one man band. But he didn't really do a whole lot with us. But then when he got to Indiana, sort of blossomed and became like a pretty, pretty well known, well liked player. Uh, it's just, the problem is he's just so injury prone. I, I really like Oladipo, so I hope like he's able to even just step on the floor for us. But if he's not, you know, whatever, we got a second round pick yeah, out of it. You got something. Yeah. Yeah, you got a second round pick to get him. It's Literally, so they, we did not give up anything. They just were like, here, take him. We'll give you this if you can take him. Sounds, like, great. Sure. Sounds great. Thunder just continue to run circles around the rest of this league. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're on the topic of the Pacers with the OB trade. Um, the big move for the Pacers, Nuggets legend and notorious for saying, I will not leave. I love it here in Denver. One of the best free agent signings from last year, Bruce Brown, signs a two-year 
$45 million contract with the Pacers. I think Bruce Brown is a great role player on a team that's looking to contend. I don't know really what the Pacers were looking for here, but man, am I happy for Bruce Brown yeah, getting this yeah. much money. Absolutely, Steve. I, it's a sort of a similar situation to Fred Van Vliet. He got his ring, now he's getting his bag. Yeah. Could be happier for him. Pacers, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I mean, like, that's just an absurd contract, but there's been a lot of absurd contracts. I guess everyone's just, like, on crack in the GM room. But I guess they're, again, just looking to change the culture. I don't know. I guess. But whatever. I, I, I want to know Mike Malone's reaction when he first saw it on break on Twitter because, like, he was very confident that he was not yeah, going anywhere. Well, then, then somebody – that's the thing. Somebody offered him $23 million a year, and they're like, shit. Yeah, I guess that's an option. <laughs> you can't offer that, yeah. yeah. So – I guess that's what the Pacers had to do to get him, I'm sure. So, whatever. But I thought that was interesting. Um, the last one I wanted to bring up. Were you tuned into the B-Ball Paul, Paul Reed uh, fiasco? I, I, a little bit. I, recap it for Well, me. I was a notorious B-Ball Paul fan. And the first of its kind. I've been loving B-Ball Paul for years now. And been very in tune to what's going on as the backup center for Philly. Um, the Utah Jazz offered uh, Paul Reed a contract. It was three years and $30 million. Uh, and the caveat in the contract was, for the Jazz, it was a one-year deal. It was a, it was a one-year, like, $8 million deal. And if the Jazz happened to make the conference semifinals, then it would turn into a three-year, $30 million deal. What kind of incentive is that? So the incentive is that Philly had the opportunity to match this contract. Philly, who will probably make the conference finals, or the conference semifinals, now we'll have to pay Paul Reed three years, $30 million when they do so. Oh, so this is just like the Jazz. So the Jazz said, fuck you, Philly. Yeah, like... We're either going to get Paul Reed or you have to match this absurd deal. It was a notorious poison pill contract from Danny Ainge, and the Philly matched it, which I thought was funny because they also brought in Mo Bamba. So they could have just, yeah. they could have just had Mo Bamba and backed up Embiid and called it a day, but they're like, no, we're just going to – We don't chance. want you to win Danny Ainge, so we're matching this contract and whatever. I just thought that was funny. There's nothing really to say about it. I, that's why I love restricted free agency. It brings up these sort of scenarios. Yeah, and the last the last contract that I kind of wanted to talk about before we move on is another restricted free agent, which I was very surprised about. So it was Austin Reeves going back to the Lakers for four years, fifty three million only. Mm-hmm. When we're seeing some of these other contracts, like that's less than Max Struess, that's less than uh, Bruce Brown annually. I really like Austin Reeves, and I don't understand why a team just didn't offer him like a max contract and be like Lakers match this i dare you because i i don't know i really like austin reese as a player and i thought this was way too cheap i agree i agree i uh i was surprised that like i would have thought that like maybe like one or two other teams would have like thrown something at him but like he really didn't really get no i don't think anybody offered him anything i think as far as reeves goes like he probably just saw this and was like well i like this team i like the lakers they like me uh performing well let me just stay and get my bag it wasn't the big bag but you know it was it was a bag uh Maybe uh, see the thing is when you when you think of Austin Reeves, it's like let's say like uh, I don't know, let's say like Charlotte. They like to throw money at anybody. Let's say Charlotte throws them like an absurd contract. I don't even know if Austin Reeves would have taken it to be honest with you, because it would have become what I think would have happened is it would have become like a a Dennis Schroeder type situation where you bet on yourself and maybe it doesn't work out as as well as it is in yeah, L.A. True. So I I, I I respect Austin Reeves for returning. I respect the Lakers for giving him the deal. Would have liked a little bit more, but I'm fine with it. As, as long as Austin's happy, I'm happy. That's yeah. really the end of the I mean, I think ultimately I definitely expected him to be back in L.A. I do give them credit, though, because I think this is one of the best contracts handed out in this entire offseason. 
from a front office perspective, definitely. Yeah. So good for them. Good for Austin getting a bag after being, I think, undrafted, right? I'm pretty sure. Or I not. Think he was drafted. Yeah. If so, it was, it was a little bit. Yeah. So good on him for that. All right. Transitioning, we're going to start talking about our couple least favorite and favorite. Uh, no, actually, no, scratch that. Just our least favorite contract. Okay, that sounds more fun. Even out. We don't need to talk about our favorite. We talked about all the main ones. I think we both agree Dylan Brooks and Jeremy Grant were absolutely egregious. Yes. That's the first yeah. two that come to mind. Um, I just don't understand what these teams are thinking. We touched on it when we talked about them, so there's not really much more to say on that front. Uh, it's just baffling. I don't understand what these teams are doing. All that nonsense. I'm not going to repeat myself. I don't think there's a point. Another contract I'm going to toss into the ring, which I think is the worst contract. It kind of fits the narrative of my thoughts about this player for the past three years we've been oh, doing this podcast. Say. I don't think you do. You might. But one of my least favorite players in the entire NBA is Matisse Thibel. And I get it. He was three years, $33 million. It's not a lot. But again, Blazers. What, what are we doing? Just throwing, throwing money at people like, that they what, think could be the guys to help Dame you win think a Damian Lillard's coming back to your team because we're signing Matisse Thibel for three years, $33 million? I'm sorry. Yeah. I get it. People like his defense. He's a good defensive player. He's one of the worst offensive players in the entire <laughs> NBA. He can't make a shot. He doesn't do anything. He's a net negative on offense. He's worse than Ben Simmons. There's a reason why Philly didn't work when him and Ben Simmons were on the court at the same time. Neither of these guys can score. He's one of my least favorite players in this entire league, and he gets way too much credit for the things he does do and he doesn't do. It's cool. I get it. He averages like two steals a game. Good on you, Matisse. But you average like four points per game in like 30 minutes. I think he's just so overrated. I don't think he's good. One of my least favorite contracts given out. Uh, did you have another one? Uh, for my least favorite contract of the entirety of free agency, I got to say it's probably uh, – people might – might not react to this the same way I do, but I got to go with Draymond Green, honestly. Okay. So I, like so I understand it from the Warriors' perspective. You want to keep your big three that have won you four rings. I get it. You want to make sure that he's intact and for years to come in case anything crazy happens along the way and you're able to get back to where you were before. I understand. But $100 million, <laughs> dude. Like, this is Draymond Green. Like, he was – there. he's had some games a lot in, of the, money. in the few postseasons I've seen in recent years. Like, he's had – game or two here and there where he's like borderline unplayable in certain situations and like it's it's noticeably impacted the team's <laughs> winning like like i loved well i'm not even gonna say i love draymond i love draymond for what he does for the warriors he's he's crucial for them to continue their their dynasty i guess if you call it but a hundred million dollars for an aging draymond green nah that ain't, that ain't it chief i'm sorry yeah, I mean, I can't argue with you that it's a lot of money. And it goes back to the Kyrie stuff I was saying earlier. Were they really competing with anybody in terms of who is willing to offer Draymond a shit ton of money? I think it's almost just at this point just a respect thing. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. done so much for our team. Let's give him some money. Uh, I agree with you. He's a declining player. But I usually go to bat for Draymond in terms of the value he brings to the Warriors. And you agree with that. I mean, no, absolutely. he obviously means a lot to the organization. So in that respect, I'm fine with it. I think it was a guy they had to bring back. Was the price point a little high? Can't disagree with you there. Um, I didn't have any others. Did you have any others you want to talk about in this segment? Uh, we already sort of discussed them mostly. Most of the people that I said had the least – my least favorite contracts for the most part were all the ones that just got a bag thrown at them, which yeah. is like, look, hey, good for them. But, like, just from a front office perspective, that's not what I would have done. Just not smart. Not yeah. smart stuff. Um, all right. A little bit more interesting here. 
guys we haven't talked about, under the radar signings, what were some of your favorite, you know, oh, I forgot this guy got signed to this team. I think this will be a good fit under the radar. Uh, this podcast notoriously was all over the Bruce Brown signing last offseason. We said the Nuggets got a killer in them. This guy's going to be huge coming off the bench for him. And he is right. So we have a big reputation to live up to here. Uh, who is the first player that comes to mind in terms of your under-the-radar free agent signing this year? So for me, uh, this might be a hot take, but I'll explain my reasoning. I'm going to go with Dennis Schroeder to Toronto oh, okay. on a two-year, $26 million deal. I didn't even deal. know he went there. So that's yeah. a good, exactly. good under-the-radar. Exactly. Pick. See, I'm, I'm really getting under that radar. But uh, no, so... Obviously, you had to replace Van Vliet with somebody, not obviously at the same caliber. But Schroeder, he's, he's a great facilitator. Um, he, he can pass. He can, he can get, in the, get in the paint with ease. He's slippery. Um, he's, also, he's also got some experience under his belt to where, like, he can, like, help teach a thing or two to a younger player. It's probably that much worse than Fred Van Vliet. Like, I, in I, terms I, of, like, okay, overall he's, skills. He's worse. He is worse. Obviously. But, but, like, but he's not – bad like he's not bad he can't he's, shoot as well no no he cannot he but can run he, a good he, offense yeah so. yeah yeah people i feel like he can compliment siakam if siakam stays there you know i, I feel like he could compliment like og anunobi who's like you know still a little bit young on the younger side there, there, there's people in toronto that could benefit from schroeder being in their locker room with them and i i really like the signing because you needed to have someone else in the backcourt who's competent who, who understands who has a little bit of an iq so, uh, in the, the contract, you know, it's not what the Lakers are going to offer him a while back. I know that. So, it, it definitely saves the Raptors a little bit of money. I like that a lot. That's a good pick. And I feel like if the Raptors – I don't know if they're necessarily going to be a contender next year. I don't even know what they're going to make a plan to do yet. But I think it's definitely a good fit for them. All right. This is my favorite contract given out this entire, entire offseason. Favorite move by any team involving the draft, trades, whatever. Just my overall – favorite move i absolutely love this move probably didn't even know it happened probably don't even think it matters but i think it's extremely extremely significant this, this and i am passionate about this a two-year five million dollar contract given out by the heat to another heat culture member they're bringing back Josh Richardson. Yeah, I saw that, actually. I, I, I like that, too. And I enjoyed that. Not only was this my favorite move, maybe, ever, because I loved Josh Richardson when he was back with the Heat back in the day. See, this is how I feel with Oladipo coming back <laughs> yeah. to the Thunder, even though I know he won't play. And, like, here's the thing. Here's what's different about that. I think Oladipo had some injuries. He definitely fell off in terms of his career and his explosiveness and whatever. Josh Richardson obviously hasn't been the same since he left the Heat. But he hasn't had a major injury. He hasn't had uh, anything go completely wrong in his career. He just hasn't been as good. And I think that's uh, part of just leaving Heat culture. And mm -hmm. I think going back to the organization that started his career, where he was not only a menace on defense, he was a great three-point shooter. He rebounded. He passed well. He averaged nearly like 14 points per game. He was so good for them in uh, down years for them. I think getting reunited with Spolstra, getting coming off the bench. He's, I think he's going to be replacing Max Struess. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and be, say, two years, five million. That is, I think that he's is, better than Max Struess. Is, that, deal, is that crazy to say? No, I know. I don't think that's crazy, Steve. If he's, if he's, you know, if he comes back to the Heat and gets the energy that he once had on the Heat, that's going to be a steal for Miami, man. PSA to any play, any people listening that might might play for the Heat one day. If you <laughs> if you get dropped by the Heat, don't leave. Like it. it, it Puts out your fire for like years to come, and Josh Richardson's a clear example of that. 
So maybe when Ken coming back and reignite that flame, he wants to add. Yeah, and we'll talk about Dame a little bit later and if he ends up going to Miami, whatever, whatever. But obviously the Heat will perennially be a contender in the East. And I just think this Josh Richardson brings a ton to that team in terms of, again, defense, potential offense. I don't even need him to be whatever it was, like 2018 Josh Richardson or whatever no, he was there. No, don't. But he's, he had, he's shown flashes. I, I watched a decent amount of him on the Pels this past year. He filled in a lot for them, played a decent chunk off the bench, and he wasn't half bad. And I think they got a steal. I think this is maybe one of my favorite signings and reunitions ever. And I just hope he's just a little bit of a not shell of himself. And I hope yeah. he brings back those flashes because I loved the old Josh Richardson. Yeah. There was a reason that I think he was the main piece given up in the Jimmy Butler deal. That is true. Uh, he was. Yeah, he Jimmy was. Butler, oh, my so. God. Wow. wow. What a throwback. You know, Steve, I think you could – not, like, exactly, but I think you could compare this a little bit to Andre Godal returning to the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. It's, very it's similar. That energy, you know, it's it's the team matches with him perfectly. I think, know exactly what they're getting. Exactly. Need. Exactly. And they're not going to be like, all right, we need you to play 35 a game and right. re- rely on you. Like he, I think they did. He was one of their best players mm-hmm. a few years back. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely not going to need that from him anymore. But just, uh, I think, I don't know. I love the Heat. I love Heat culture. But, man, I love this signing, too. I don't know if I'm biased or whatever. But, man. No, I agree with you on that one. I, I hope it works out well. Did you have any other under-the-radars that you wanted to throw out? Honestly, um, I guess, so I, I not, to, not to spoil the show, Steve, but I know that our next category is going to be the winners of free agency. So I'm going to take one of my pieces from that category and place it into this one. And I guess I'll just say right out flat, basically my favorite underrated, under the radar contracts for the most part are just all the random knickknack guys that the Suns got. <laughs> and one day, it's just a clean sweep. They got a bench. They actually have a rotation now. And it wasn't like anyone crazy. It was like Eubanks, Damian Lee. <laughs> they got a Koji. They like Shemezi Metu. They got Yuta. Just random they got Yuta. Like that's awesome. I'm so happy for them. I, I think Bates Diop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Like, uh, did they have Jock Landia? Actually, he might have left. But either way, great, great job by the Suns just acquiring even the most minimalist pieces to be able to complement their now big three of Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal. I, I listen. These guys aren't going to be like you know, like guys are going to win games for you. But they're facilitators. They're they're going to be able to work around whatever you know this whatever Frank Vogel comes up with with Durant, Beal, and Booker. And I think. It's good to know that the Suns actually have a 12-man roster now because they didn't before this day. All right. I'm going to zag on you on this one. I want you to name again all the players we just named. Okay. We got Drew Eubanks, Damian Lee, Josh Okoge. Okay. Damian Lee and Josh Okoge. Both were there last year. That is true. That is true. But they were they – were... I know. I'm, they brought they re-signed them. I'm, no, just, yes. I'm using that to prove my point, I'm going to say. Chimezi Metsu, Utah Watanabe. Are any of these guys good? No, no they're, not. they're not. But like I said, I understand what you're no. getting at. And there was it was wrong. small deals too. Like the Suns got people they could very, afford. Yes, very valuable. I'm looking contract. at this from a Suns perspective, Steve. Not like a not all Listen, these players. Perspective. Probably the best you could get. I agree. But man, the Suns bench last year was so goddamn bad. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be an upgrade. No, it yeah, is. Yeah. It is absolutely. You are right. My question is: Is this this these people? Are gonna have to like carry them to the fucking championship. It's true, it's yes, true. they have Bradley Beal. Yes, they have Kevin Durant. Yes, they have Devin Booker. Yes, they have DeAndre Ayton. But some combination of the people we just named are gonna have <laughs> yep. to play like a combined 
70 minutes. Someone did the NBA spotlight. Game. They have not like, unless Utah Watanabe, like, replicates the three-point shooting that he had in the very beginning of last year and becomes, like, an ace off the bench, I just don't see it. I agree with you. I understand the point you're making. But my zag is just that I think the Suns just aren't going to be good. I don't Listen, think – I'll accept the zag. But the, the category was it wasn't the best under the radar <laughs> signing. It was the favorite. You're right. You're right. That's, that's how I'm going to leave it at that. You're right. Um, and – Speaking of that, I have two that I want to close out on. Again, definitely not good signings, but definitely favorites. Did you know Robin Lopez signed with the Bucks? I did, actually. That's yes. a fun one. Yeah, that is Whenever fun. Brooke yeah. Lopez comes out of the game, we're just going to sub exactly. in Robin Lopez. Exactly. That's Attack a fun of the one. clones, man. Yeah, that's, that's just – I don't even know if he's actually going to be there. I mean, Bobby Portis plays back for seven for the most part. He'll be backup, backup. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't think Robin – People won't even know. But the thought of that just was cool enough for me to have it on this segment. Is this the first time that they've been? I feel like they've been teammates before. I feel like no? they've both been on the Bucks before. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but now that it's just fun. Yeah, I exactly. want. I want fun. Yeah. Um, and then the last one uh, was D Rose to Memphis. We talked about it off the mic a little bit, but I think Derrick Rose is the perfect, perfect mentor for mm-hmm. John ja, ja Morant. Absolutely. We talked about it on this pod a few times and everything that went on with Ja in the off season. And not only that, in terms of a mentor and off the court stuff, but. I don't know. I think a lot of people compare John Morant to Derrick Rose uh, in terms of their explosiveness, in terms of their abilities. And I think Derrick Rose might be a good guy for him to talk to and be like, listen, man, I know you like to jump out of the gym. I know you like to do all these highlight plays. I think sometimes you just got to be a little careful. You don't want to hurt yourself because one knee injury and everything changes. It's true. So I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have on the court. I think, I still think he has a little bit left. I think he can give like 20, 25 minutes off the bench, a few games here or there. And without Ja for the first 25 games, I think they might need it. But I just like that in terms of mentor and leadership ability and what the Grizzlies needed. I couldn't agree more, Steve. I think that Derek Rose is going to live vicariously through Ja Moran because they're very similar players. That both play the same position. Um, ja is one of the up-and-coming stars this league has, a place where Derrick Rose once was at a time long, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I look at this as, like, John Rance, like Luke Skywalker, and Derrick Rose is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. He's going to be his mentor. He's going to be, like, you know, the, the old wise head that's going to be able to navigate Ja in the right direction and keep him off the, the, the very controversial path he's been on as a plate. So I, I like it a lot. I, I, and, and, you know, Nothing, nothing beats Derek Rose back in Memphis. Yeah, let's be real. That's true too. Where he went to school, can't mm-hmm. forget about that part of it. Uh, I also, I gave the Dallas a bunch of shit for some shit they did this off season, but I like them bringing in Seth Curry. I said whoever signs Seth Curry this yeah, off season, like I was third gonna time. Definitely. It feels like I just like him. I think he could be a valuable piece in a playoff rotation. He's gonna be a valuable so. piece anywhere he goes. Exactly. Steve, let's be real. I, I just like. It seems like the Dallas Mavericks. They have like a list in their front <laughs> in, in the stadium somewhere. There's a list of like. Like six or seven players that those are like the Hall of Fame yeah, Mavericks. have to have his eyes. Like Seth Curry is one of them. Dwight Powell is one of them. Maxi Kleba is one of them. It's like, guys, these are cool players, but like I, you could find they're like a dime a dozen. But no, Seth Curry is going to have some value to that team. Yeah. He has before. He will. He will again. All right, moving on uh, into a little segment I'm calling just winners and losers of the offseason from a team perspective. We brought up the Suns. Did you have anything more you wanted to say on that, or should we just move on in general? No, I, I, think mean, I, I explained it. They, yeah. they were one of my winners just be, for the sole reason <laughs> that they actually have a team now. Yeah. That's literally it. Um, so in a similar vein, I do want to talk about uh, the L.A. Lakers. Um, I feel like a lot, a lot, a lot of people are saying the wake, the Lakers are the biggest winner of the offseason with all the additions they're made. and. Here I am. I'm going to zag one more time. Did you have the Lakers on your list at all? I did not. And for one reason, Steve, before before you get started, I want to say this reminds me a lot of 
the 2018 Cavs post trade deadline where they just blew up the team they had yeah. for some ragtag okay. like, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank type you. Guys. Thank you. All right. I have it all written down because okay. it's going to make my point. All right. Here's what the Lakers did this offseason that everyone is hoo-hawing about and calling the best offseason and saying the Lakers are perennial favorites to come out of the West along with the Nuggets. We mentioned the Austin Reeve contract. Great contract. Love the value they got for that. Not even going to talk about that on this part of the segment. That's, that's unaffiliated. That's, that's good. That's a great we, job. We, we do not but you also it. already had. Yes. Good on we brought back D'Lo. I think he's a losing player, and I don't think he was good for them in the postseason. I don't think he's a very valuable piece at all. Yeah, Just I, getting that out there. We've much. said that on this podcast many times, and no one on this podcast likes D'Lo. We brought in Rui Achimara. We brought him back, sorry. Had some great, great moments in the postseason. No denying that. Mm-hmm. Is he actually that good? We don't know. We don't, don't know. know. I don't yeah. think he's very good personally. You know, you could ask Josh, our roommate, the Wizards fan, if he's any good, he'd tell you he sucks ass. That's so who true. knows? He had, again, great games. Out of all the people that they – like, I know you're going to continue that list. Not the worst. The people, I, I actually – I think I – besides – well, Delo's in his own category, I feel like. But, like, out of all the ragtag guys, I like Ruby the most. Yeah. But, I'll let you continue. but, again, we also had him last year. That's true. So are we yes, getting better correct. with the signing? No, nice. because we had yeah. him last year, and he played way above his ability. So I don't think we're better. Brought in Cam Reddish. I'm a Knicks fan. I saw what he had. He has absolutely nothing. Yeah. LeBron is going to hate this guy. Yep. <laughs> this is not going to work. Yeah. He'll be gone by like before February. We brought in Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes is useless. He is not. I, some people like him. I'm not going to be one who likes him. He's athletic. He's just a doofus. He has highlights. But the late John LeBron's going to hate this guy. Yeah. LeBron's going to be throwing him out of loop passes. He's going to be dropping them. He's going to be out of the rotation in. Multiple, multiple weeks, just like Mo Bamba was. Everyone's like, oh, the Lakers, Mo Bamba, great addition. No, it's not going to work. Torian Prince, not awful. Not an awful player, a good three-point shooter. Just like very, like, pleasantly mid. A very, very mid player, not moving the needle whatsoever. He'll hit some open threes, he'll do some okay things. I don't care. And the last piece, Gabe Vincent. Okay, three years, $33 million. Bargain of a point guard. Not, I like this move to an extent, but what have we highlighted many times throughout this episode already? The heat, the heat <laughs> magic, man. That you lose your heat energy once you leave the team. Correct. I hate the Lakers offseason. Yeah, yeah. You brought it up, like the Cavs, post, trade deadline, whatever. The Lakers also did this like a year or two ago. Yeah. If I remember right, they brought in just like guys with like vintage names that everyone thought was a big deal. I don't I wish I could remember some examples. It's because examples, of the Lakers, I think, for the most yeah, part. People are just people giving them way too much credit, and I'm completely off it. They need to find a trade or something. I don't know what they're doing with Elo. This this team's not going to work. Yeah. I still think they were overrated last year. People give them way too much credit. I think they beat a Warriors team that was very, very disorganized and a mess from the beginning, and I'm just not impressed with anything the Lakers did. I'm going to go out there and zag on that one right away. That's fair. That's fine. I'm totally in agreement with that. I can't really say anything else other than, like, just – We've seen this before. <laughs> I, I feel like before. if it, let's say let's say this entire the entire roster move happened like with all these acquisitions, but it wasn't the Lakers. Let's say it was like the I don't know like the, the Pelicans. Yeah, people, people would be like, "What are the Pelicans doing?" Yeah, yeah, people would totally drag on them. But like, yeah. it's the Lakers, and there's too many fans to really find the place where you can actually like critique this because everyone's gonna be like, "No, nah, man, like this team's gonna go all the way because it's LeBron." <laughs> like, uh, listen, LeBron's great, but like this is this yeah. is not gonna work. Did you have any other teams in the segment you want to talk about? Uh, winners? Um, winners or losers. Winners or – okay, losers. I have a loser <laughs> I need to talk. I have some words for the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I have some words. I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier with, like, the, 
the loss of Grant Williams and Marcus Smart. Listen, if if, if you got back a player that could change the team, that could really take that step for them to be able to potentially win multiple championships, then I'd be like, fine. Like Marcus Smart was a sacrifice; they had to be made. But you, you got Chris Tapps or Zingas, bro, and not to mention you extended him for two years. Like what was it, like sixty million yeah, or something like that? That's I ridiculous. promise you'll have, that is ridiculous. You'll have a knee injury in the first two months. Exactly. It's it's like you gave up the heart and soul of your team for maybe like maybe like fifty games, <laughs> and like yeah, don't even think about him being available in the postseason. That's well, just not fits in well with Rob Williams and Al Horford. Yep, he, he, just old and old and or hurt. I cannot like I saw that trade go down, and I was like, I cannot believe the Celtics actually agreed to do this. But at the same time, it's like so Celtics s because there's no loyalty in that team. No. We talked about it. they're soft; they don't have a backbone. They're willing to just drop anybody, regardless of how meaningful they are to the team, if they think it's going to take them that step up. Yeah. And I hate to tell you, the Celtics fans, Riley, if you're listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> man. But this is not going to work out. I'm sorry. It's just not. Corey Griff's going to be pissed at you for saying that. Whatever, man. <laughs> I mean, Corey, Corey, text me about it. We'll, we'll have a whole discussion. Love you, buddy, but this is just not the move. I think he knows that losing smart for this was not a good price. To exactly. Pay. Exactly. They really, really lost a huge impact on their team. Any other losers you want to talk about? Um, I get, like... I want to talk about the Warriors a little bit more just because, like, I don't – I was thinking, like, are they a winner or are they a loser? Because, like – I have they, the Warriors they, 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 they Let's lost, discuss them. They lost, uh, they lost Jordan Poole, which if you watched any of the postseason, you knew that was kind of a win because this guy was not going to be able to lead a team later on when Steph and Clay are gone to championship level. And then they, they acquired Chris Paul, which is, like, okay. Like, yeah, I don't so, know what we're doing here, but – So here's where I had the Warriors. I actually did have them as one of my only winners that I wanted to talk about. Again, this is going to be my personal bias coming in. Uh, but I think the two main things we already touched upon. One, you brought up the pool thing. I think losing pool is a plus for them and a yes. win for them. I think he was 98% of the reason they were not good last year and all the drama with Draymond off the court, whatever. But he was also, every time he was on the court, he was that absolute miserable performer in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, you can question whether or not the, the fit of Chris Paul is good or not. But at the very least, he's a capable backup point guard who's better than Jordan Poole exactly. and stable and is going to run a great second unit. He could mentor Kaminga and Moody. I just think it works a little bit well. And I think a change in leadership and voice. We talked about Draymond earlier, and I love Draymond. But just having another voice in that locker room I think is going to be big for them. I just hope they don't clash. No. I don't think they will. I think Draymond is too much – respect for basketball and, and just like respect for Chris Paul and so. wanting to win. Like, yeah, they were enemies on the court and had some drama behind them, but I think now that they're teammates, I really genuinely do think it's going to work, but I hope so. Yeah. That's, that's a question for a different day. Um, but that's more so why I thought they were a win one, because I just think Chris Paul is just so much more of a fit than Jordan Poole. And two, I just, there was many, many rumors of Clay and Draymond, Something was going to happen. The core was going to get broken up. And I think just doubling down and sticking to your core, whether or not Draymond was a lot of money or not, like we talked about earlier, I think just bringing back that same core and running it back was a win for them in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I agree. I'll, I'll toss in that they, they signed Dario Sarge and Corey Joseph, two nice locker room guys. I think they can play some minutes off the bench. For I, listen, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, really, I'm really not a big Dario Sarge fan. I like Dario. I, 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 Super no, Dario? No, no. No, I can't. I can't. I got a zaggy. I, I, uh, I went to a Philly Philly game like six years ago in Philly, and it was Dario Sarge poster night. So 
I'm a big fan of Mario. Sorry, that was great. I had him on the Thunder for no reason at all, and he did nothing. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't. Yeah, because you guys are the Thunder. You weren't gonna play him. Yeah, like, I know. He was still, too good for you. Like, he played enough to know for me to know <laughs> that like this is not a person that I I wanted to hang on to. Fair not enough. that we were going to. But <laughs> still. But yeah, I have one more loser, Steve, and and. It, it, verbatim, it is the soon-to-be Blazers. Not right now, but soon-to-be, and we all know why. We don't need to get into it. Dame's gone. And and we have, like, these wild-ass deals with Thibel and Grant. We already discussed all that. It's just, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. It's going to go downhill They're gonna fairly collapse. quick. They're yes, exactly. exactly. The only, only com- uh, rebuttal I have to calling the Blazers losers is I think the fact that they got scooted at three with the Hornets being idiots. True, the Miller dude, two, the was that, an, that's such a Hornets yeah, move, But too. That's enough to be like, all right, the Blazers had a good offseason yeah. because they lucked out. And I don't know what pick they were supposed to have originally, but imagine they had like the sixth pick. Then we were just in limbo, yeah. and it'd be even worse. It would so be terrible. I think just at least that they had scooted is something to look forward to. But I agree with their sentiment that they're just going to be a mess. I think one of those what-ifs we're always going to wonder is like, what would have been like if Scoot and Dame were on the court together? But that yeah. just, it's just not happening. Not happening. But yeah, so I, would have, to, I would have loved to see him with Lamelo, but hey. true, that's true too. But now to close out my uh, my remarks on the winners and losers, I have two teams who I'd like to give out my worst basketball crimes of all time to. <laughs> that is a Celtics for that is an absolute crime that you traded away Marcus Smart and got rid of Grant Williams. Not that that was related, but for Kristaps Porzingis, that is a crime. Crime, you should be in jail. And then the other crime goes to the Houston Rockets for giving Dylan Brooks that <laughs> atrocious contract. Yeah. Those are those are basketball. Crimes, <laughs> like you are on like the NBA's most wanted list for the actions that you have just committed. Just bad stuff in general. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you didn't really have many winners either, huh? No. Yeah, I just I found it hard. There wasn't really like things I loved this year. I mean, the Bucks. I guess the Bucks. Were yeah, like, you're right. We mentioned that we touched about them them retaining their core. They brought in like I think they brought in Malik Beasley. Not a bad move. I don't know why he never got things to work with the Lakers, but I think they brought in someone else. They lost I don't know. Like Scott and Pippen Jr. was on the team. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, it makes complete sense. <laughs> yeah, um, we've seen how yeah. uh, off-the-court drama can affect the team. Look at Draymond and the Warriors. Just, and just not a not a overall super, super fun offseason, but no. glad to break it down. Alright, I had a, one surprise little segment here before we close things out. Uh, we did this last year on the pod. It was a rookie extensions little game we played. Just a overpaid, underpaid, or properly paid. Uh, there are seven extensions that were signed that I'm going to read to you. And first, gut reactions. I just want you to tell me if you think that player is underpaid, overpaid, or properly paid. Okay. Fair enough? Lay it on me. All right. Number one, Tyrese Halliburton. He had a max rookie extension, five years, $205 million. I know there's going to be a lot of max rookie extensions on the list, Steve. I, I think that's properly paid. I feel like he's he's going to be the guy for the Pacers for years to come. Yeah, I think that's just about perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I stand by it. I don't think he's going to be a number one on the – championship winning team i question if he could be a number two i think he could be a good 2a a la drew holiday kind of was with the milwaukee bucks mm-hmm. but i think that's exactly what you're paying for a guy like that i really love tyrese i love his capabilities i wouldn't go far as to say underpaid here but i definitely like the value they're getting uh anthony edwards same value five years 205 million dollars i think that's still properly paid if i'm being honest i mean the thing with these guys is like they're already like seen as like like going to be if not already superstars like whether whether you see him now or not like it's going to happen down the road so i feel like it's almost like most of these organizations like they felt like they had to give him that money just to make sure it all worked out yeah and obviously so and i'm actually going to go underpaid on this one obviously it's the max money that you could give Mm -hmm. a guy like anthony edwards but in terms of the value you're getting on his contract i i do think he has the ability to be a really really solid number two and just he 
has been on playoff teams already. He's carried the T-Wolves. I'm not going to say Carl Anthony Towns has carried the T-Wolves because I don't no, like him. No. I just really liked what Anthony Edwards has been able to do in two years, three years of basketball. So I'm going to go underpaid. I think he's going to be an awesome, awesome asset for the T-Wolves moving forward. Uh, five years, $205 million, another max rookie extension to LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo deserves the money. However, I'm going to say overpaid from a Hornets perspective because, listen, LaMelo's great. You got to get him some other people, man. You can't be throwing all that cap room onto, like, a guy like LaMelo when he – like, he's going to be great, but he's not going to get you anywhere if it's just him. It's going to be like a Portland Trailblazers, Trailblazers Dame situation. I think. Yeah, I, I'm also going overpaid on this one. Again, it goes back to my argument that, I mean, the Hornets have been god off like he hasn't what they're doing he's put up good numbers he puts up great highlights but has he really contributed to winning no and i love lamello ball and yes it goes back to you have to give him the max rookie extension that's how it works but that's not the game we're playing here and i just think it's a little too much money for him in terms of value and i just i don't know he hasn't proven to me that he can be a winning player on the hornets they've been one of the worst few teams in the nba since he's gotten there so that's where i land there uh Desmond Bain, a little bit less than a max rookie extension. He gets five years, $197 million. He's a tough one, honestly. He's he's a tough one. Um, can you read the read the stats to me again? What was the contract? Five years, $197 million. $197 million, five years. I guess I'd go... I guess i go properly paid, honestly, Steve. I think I have to go with properly paid. With, the, with where the Grizzlies are right now and what Desmond Bain contributes to that team, I got to go properly paid. Yeah, I, I actually I land uh, with you again on this one. I think properly paid. Um, I definitely don't think it's a bargain. I don't think underpaid would be right here because no. Desmond Bain, again, hasn't really shown that he could be like a number one on like a championship contending team. But for what the Grizzlies have done, I think he's the most stable presence that team has right now in terms of Jaws' mental issues yeah. and in yeah. terms of uh, Jaron Jackson's uh, ability to get hurt and stay on the field, correct, or court, whatever you want to call a basketball court. Um, but I think Desmond Bain's been the one standing force. He's been getting better every every year. He's been getting better at shooting. He's a great defender. He does everything. Um, but I'm not going to say he was underpaid either because it's still a lot of money for a guy who hasn't really proven much. So I agree, properly paid for Desmond Bain. All right, got three more left for you. I don't even think these are rookie extensions anymore, but I just threw them on the list. Okay. DeJounte Murray, four years, $114 million from the Hawks. That's not a rookie extension. And I, I, want, I like, my gut wants to say overpaid just because of what the Hawks are doing. <laughs> I, actually, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm going to say overpaid. I'm going to say overpaid just because, like, he's a good player. But how do you get DeJounte Murray and then suddenly become worse? Yeah, That's the thing. It, it, the it, Hawks are a mess. They are a mess. Like, it's like after that conference finals run, they got all giddy and thought that they were going to be able to run it back for years to come because they did it once. That's not how it works in the NBA, man. Nothing's guaranteed unless you're the Bucks or the Nuggets. That's how it works. Nothing else is guaranteed. So I'm going to say overpaid because of his contributions to the Hawks, which are slim to none. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd probably say underpaid if you told me in a vacuum – this is DeJounte Murray. This is how much money he's making. I yeah. feel very good about that. Yeah. But in yeah. terms of on the Hawks, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know what they're going for. It clearly didn't work last year. I don't know why the Hawks felt like they needed to give him this money. I don't know. They could... Would you trade him for Pascal Siakam, given the chance? Probably, honestly. Would cause... you if you're the if I'm the Hawks, Raptors? If you're oh, the Raptors, Raptors now. If I'm yeah. not, not if I'm the Raptors. So you would if you're the Hawks. Yes. Yes, I would. Just trade more room in the backcourt to like do what Trey does. 
right. Two more. One of my favorite names, nicknames in the league. A favorite of mine for being a combatant to LeBron James. One beef stew, Isaiah Stewart, for the Pistons for your $60 million. Um, <laughs> It's a random one. Yeah, it is a random one. Love love me some beef stew. I love beef stew. Just, I, I like, honestly, I don't like him, but I love what he does, you know? <laughs> does that make sense? I hope it He's makes. a gritty player, and yeah. he does a lot of the little things. Yeah. My question is, the Pistons, what are we doing? We have now him, James Wiseman, Jalen Duran. They just have a million big men, and they play them. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing. Marvin Bagley. <laughs> for that reason, I'm going to have to go... Yeah, it's like I feel if, like you could have gotten him for so much love. Yeah, it's a similar thing to the Dejounte thing, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, it's not a lot of money for him, but it's also like, why are the Pistons? What are we doing, yeah, Pistons? But well, yeah. that was a fun one. But, uh, and, and a similar uh, vein, my last one, Nas Reed, three years, forty-one million dollars to the T Wolves. That's an overpay. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just simply an overpay. Some people love Nas Reed. <laughs> I know, and look, I, I don't I, know if I am one of those people. I, I think Nas Reed is fine, but when you have Two centers who are getting an abs- like basically half of the cap. They're now paying three centers. I don't know what the exact number is, but know. it's, it's like so, so much money. It's gonna gross me out if I know the number. Yeah. But yeah, like that's that's an overpay just because why? For yeah. why? I like I, I like Nasri, but it would have been fun to see him go to like a random ass team and like average thirty minutes a game. Yeah, that would yeah, it's not gonna get that in the tip All right. We're done with our offseason stuff. I wanted to close things out quickly with you. Just a quick talk about Dame and James Harden. We've talked about them on this podcast mm-hmm. a couple times this offseason, so we don't need to go too in-depth. I'm just curious of your thoughts. on. Um, we'll start with Dame, and where do you think he's going to go? Do you want him to go anywhere specific? What do you think is going to happen there? You've given your thoughts on the Voyagers, so yeah. you could, you don't need to go too in-depth. No, don't worry. I'll keep it short. I, let's be real. I, I think it's – unless, like, something – absolutely miraculous happens in, in between GMs. I, I think Dame's going to Miami. I think Miami will give an absurdly not maybe not absurd, but a very noticeably big haul for Dame, which I guess, you know, rightfully deserves. Um how it will work out, I don't know, but I'm I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. I, I love Jimmy in this heat. Man, team, I so think I think Dale on the heat would be so good. I, I really hope so. I drool over it. Um, and Josh Richardson. Oh, true, man. true. That would oh, be awesome. Man. That would be awesome. Look, I'm rooting for it if it happens. Well, when it happens, let's be real. It's pretty. Do you think? Do you think the down. big three poster would be Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Josh Richardson, or Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Bam? I think it would be Bam. You think so? I have to say it. I would mark it, Josh. No, you know what? It's going to be Dame, <laughs> Jimmy, and Kyle Lowry. That's gonna be the big three. That's what that's going to happen. Duncan Robinson. Yeah, I think both of them would. Be both of them probably. Gonna, yeah, yeah, both of them be in out. the trade. But um, yeah. So. Touch on Dame. Pretty certain where it was going to – like, we don't really need to talk about it because it's already yeah. basically done. James Harden, though, um, so I despise the Clippers <laughs> with every fiber of my being. Like, they're my – besides the Rockets, they're my most hated NBA team. Do you want to say why or should that not be? No, nah, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Okay. Um, but uh, – I like, know why. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. The, the Clippers, listeners don't need to know. The, the, the Clippers just – Never learn, man. They just <laughs> never, ever, ever learn. It's like they're going after James Harden, and James Harden wants to be on the team. I know that. But they're going after him thinking like, oh, this is great. We're going to have like two superstars we already have, and then we're going to add James Harden to be at the big, greatest big three of all time, right? And it's like, did you not see the Nets? Did you not see the Brooklyn Nets like the past two years? Like, what are you guys doing? Oh, my God. Not to mention Russ is still on the team, so, like, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, guys, just just stop trying to grab people and just try and make it work with your team. I mean, listen, I, I mean, 
I've been shitting on the Clippers all the past four years because the, both their stars haven't been healthy together for a postseason. I would have loved like to see them twenty twenty times. So would I. I, I maybe would have made maybe it'll make them like them more. It'd but be fun. It just but it never got never happened, and that's the Clippers' biggest biggest flaw is that they like put they go all in Billy King style on players that aren't going to guarantee you anything more than what you had before. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, and I don't know. I feel like you're right. They don't learn. I think Steve Ballmer, you know, they're moving that new arena. I think he just wants to put people in the season, yeah, sell season yeah. tickets. I don't even know how much they're concerned about winning. Because if they were, they wouldn't even think about this. So, no. so, good thoughts. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, this was a fun pod to do. It was something we had to do. We had to kind of catch up on this network about a very busy offseason, even though there wasn't necessarily a ton of big names and a ton of big moves. But It was eventful, yet uneventful. Yeah, for sure. Um, I teased it. The next Hoop Fiends podcast will be coming out either next Tuesday or Wednesday. I will have my full Summer League recap, my favorite players and favorite things from the Summer League. We had Victor Wembanyama, We had Scoot. We have Brandon Miller. We have a lot to talk about. Um, I, have a, I have a new opinion on the Thompson Twins. I want to take back uh, a certain something I said about them. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll leave that for the episode. That was a little teaser there. So that will be out on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and then that'll be pretty much it for the Hoop Fiends and this entire network for the summer. Um, I will have a full breakdown of the future and what's to come on the end of that uh, that episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, um, after Summer League, I feel like the NBA hits a lull. There's really not much that happens for a couple months until preseason starts. Unless you want to talk WNBA. <laughs> no, that's okay. We don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, you're not Jake WNBA. You're Jake G League. That's true. Uh, but yeah, so stay tuned to at Hoopings Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify to keep up to date with everything that we've got going out. And until Tuesday, we'll catch you guys next time. Adios.